I'm going to take this in a different direction to get it started. And it's got nothing to do with the guest that is going to join us in a little bit. But Hockey Hall of Fame inductions this week. Paul Correa goes in. Probably the most notable of the bunch. Not to take anything away from Timu and the rest. But watching the story that Scott Morrison put together for Sportsnet on the weekend and reliving that hit from that good old Kitchener boy Scott Stevens. Holy Hannah. You just don't see that in the game anymore. He got decked. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. I think Mark Recchi's the most notable one, though. Huh? How so? Three Stanley Cups in three decades. Yeah, but Paul Correa... The Never guy, won a Stanley Cup. Three the, Stanley Cups in three decades. Not my point at all. Like, even a little bit. Look at what he did in the game as a player of his stature. He was and good, then, but he didn't... What, what did he win? What did he win? Olympics? Well... Didn't... Was was never the Art Ross winner. But... Was, was, was never a Stanley Cup winner. No. But my point is, what makes him notable is how he has vanished almost completely from the game since his retirement. And now, he's coming back out to talk about the game and... Again, going back to that piece from Scott Morrison, I mean, he he still holds some ill will. And you listen to Scott Stevens talk about it, says, "Oh, I let up on the head. Oh my goodness! Right. Imagine if he hadn't." But that's what I, that's what I think makes it notable. Like here was a guy. You're right. Didn't didn't win that elusive Stanley Cup. Probably was as close as he ever would have been that year, that year yeah. against uh, against New Jersey. But yeah, that's what makes it notable for me. Just the story of the player, uh, not necessarily the, the statistical accomplishments, but. What a what a player to have done what he did at his size during the big man's era. Like imagine Paul Korea in the game today. Forget about it. I think you, you like Paul Korea a little more just because of his size. Is that is that too low? I see what you did there. Um, yeah. I it's a, it's an awesome story and it's a it's a sad story in a way that you know he did have to disappear from the game and a guy that knows so much and was so good at playing hockey. But it's it's also maybe important for people to realize that, you know, not everybody who leaves the NHL wants to be around the game. Sometimes, like I loved how he said he hadn't put on his equipment even since the last time he played in St. Louis. So that like that to me is pretty crazy. Also important, I think, for players playing at the level that we cover to recognize that you can have as much talent as Paul Korea and then have two schmucks talking 10 years later about how you never won anything. Like, that's, that's right, there's the line. Yeah. I mean, how you're, yeah. you're, and I don't disagree with Mark Recchi, Dave Anderchuk yeah. won a cup, of course, but it just goes to show the line, right, between, like, you're a great player, but if you didn't win that elusive championship, then what? Well, that you're always graded on that, right? The NBA is, like, look no further. If you talk about it, I know this is a hockey podcast, but look at a guy like Charles Barkley, one of the all-time greats, never got it done. John Stockton, Carl Malone. Who are these people you're talking about? Never got and it done. When did they wear skates? I'm just saying, <laughs> championship pedigree. You look at well, look at uh, uh, not Kevin Lowe or Ke- yeah, Kevin Lowe. He's not in the Hall of Fame, but Glenn Anderson, who did win the amount of Stanley Cups, is. Don't even get me started on the criteria for entry into the watered down Hockey Hall of Fame. Okay, very. You true. and I are going to be in there someday. <laughs> very true. <laughs> All right, I'm not sure uh, we're talking Hall of Fame numbers, but there are some great stories to come from our guest in this week's Farwell and Pulp podcast. And he played with a couple of the guys that we just talked about, and I'm sure he wouldn't like us saying that they don't deserve to be in there. (laughs) And if he's listening, I'm sorry, let's be friends. They deserve to be in there. Our guest, no, I wouldn't even say that, I'm just kidding. But we do get a great story about Paul Correa's 
forever line mate. These guys go, you ask me, yeah. it's Gretzky and Curry, and then these two. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Really? Who else? Uh, I could, I'm, I'm a wing supporter. I could think of a few. Oh, come on. Just saying. Better than these guys? Gretzky, Curry, one. These guys, two. Korea and who really? our podcast guest also played with. That has a great story about. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's a great Solani story coming up. It's fantastic. <laughs> the uh, president, general manager, and co-owner of the dynastic Windsor Spitfires. Of course. Joins us on this week's podcast. So first thing I want to ask you is because the London Knights get all of the press in this league, and I think well, for some good reason, but it's uh, OHL championships can back to back to back to back, but... I see three Memorial Cups in nine seasons here in Windsor. Are the Windsor Spitfires the OHL dynasty? Oh, I don't know. I hope we're uh, brought up in the in the conversation for sure. Um, you know, I like to think that uh, you know we had some good teams. Obviously, the Super Team in uh, 2010 that you guys know very well, and 09 was a great story with the Mickey Reno and with Mickey Reno's situation. But yeah, to build it last year after all the sanctions and all our picks were gone, it's a pretty special one too. It felt different, but it was pretty good, especially with the 40 days off and our team coming together. I think Rocky and Trevor and Jared did a heck of a job behind the bench, and that was real good too, especially in our rink but uh, to get back to it yeah that'd be great if people got, put us in the conversation uh, we like our teams we put together and we want to be recognized as uh, one of the best franchises you know and we look at Kitchener we looked at London when Bob and I bought the team and we try to uh, emulate some of the stuff both teams do so it's it's been it's been a good ride it's, time flies sure does if, if 2010 was the super team, looking at the roster, I don't know what you call last year's team because that was that was pretty deep. Yeah, <laughs> we had you know what we uh, we got some help and uh, obviously the big trade was Kitchener and you know I'll never forget that I have a great relationship with Murray Hubert, it's an excellent uh, uh, general manager. Obviously stepped down now, but um, it was a good trade. I mean that's what good trading partners are for. But we had a whole bunch of it was Misfit Island for a while there. We had a lot of guys that thought they were better than they were and they had to get in their place and. Rocky did a good job of bringing them together, especially during that long, long layoff. How difficult is it, Warren, to build it, to build teams like this in this league? Because you got the cycle; you're always going through the cycle, yeah. but you keep coming back to the top. How how difficult is that? Well, I think it's difficult. I think I might have an advantage on some other guys because I own the team with my partners and I make the decisions. So, like right now, you know, I want to think if you know we're a pretty good situation. We had the fourth fourth best winning percentage in the league here, um, you know, two days ago. And it's all because of, you know, Mikey and Luchuk and getting Brown back. But, you know, we got to think of the future. I mean, I'm thinking of 2020 already and 19. you got to do that. But uh, when people ask that question, you, if you're going to go for it, you got to strip it down. You can't go half in. You know, you can't buy the pool, pool without the diving board and hot tub. you got to get everything. You can't leave anything untouched. And, uh, you know, I look back and those 4D we had last year were pretty good. And, you know, Sergachev, Stan... Chatfield, who had a great camp in Vancouver, and uh, and Sean Day, who was phenomenal too. So there's a lot of different ways to look at it. But if you go, you got to go, and, and you got to deal with the pain. That's what some fans, tough fans, like Kitchen Ranger fans, are tough, smart fans. Wins are tough, smart fans. They don't like it, but you got to, you know, put the Hanos and the Steoses out against Kitchener's top line. That's how they learn, right? It's painful now for pleasure later. You mentioned recently that obviously with Bugner gone and then Rocky leaving too, you also got a few conversations with NHL clubs. What kept you here? Well, I live five miles in the rink. I got a pretty good gig. I hire my own people. I love my staff. I, I love the uh, uh, culture of junior hockey. 
Um, you know, all our money's tied up here, right? And the, you know, if you, if if I left, it was bad enough. Boogie left, and I was here, thank you know, to run everything. But if I left, it'd be hard to see who would run it. Like I don't know who would not to. I don't know who would run it as clean as we did, right? But uh, you know, there'll, there'll be an opportunity. You got to pick the right place. Um, you you want to go to a place where you have a say. I just don't want to be a scout sitting there sending my reports on Monday. I want to be in the fire. I want to be stoking the fire and making decisions so you got to be careful what you wish for some teams this real simple are not good organizations even at that level and you got to watch where you you wish to go you know and you got to have friends around you and and people that you trust you know and uh yeah there's a couple opportunities but I, i'm sure there'll be more and maybe the right one you know it's it's good i'm getting 50 it's 50 now i've been in this league 10 years and it's been great but it's okay i live five miles and it, it's pretty good you talk about that uh, stoking those fires. I know how competitive you are. Yeah. Can you compare in any way uh, Stanley Cup versus Memorial Cup? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's 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 Memorial Cup's hard because you go through, you know, all the playoffs. And as a player, you're up and down emotionally, same as a manager. But um, that extra step in the Memorial Cup that week is so. You guys have been through it in Kitchener. It's so. Uh, Heart wrenching, like day to day, period to period. It's tough, but uh, the feeling's definitely the same when you win. It's uh, wow, jubilation. It's it's awesome, and uh, I keep. That's what you know. Stanley Cup. I want a Turner Cup. I'm lucky to know three of these. I, I you just want to keep getting that feeling back. You don't want to be ordinary, but in this league, like you said, it cycles. You got to strip it down, and they were both awesome, especially in our building. I'm happy our fans got to see it and. We envisioned it. We bought the team to have that event here. It was pretty cool. Did you ever wear all five rings at once? No, I think I put on a little weight. They don't fit on <laughs> fit on my hands now. But no, they're tucked away in a safe for the grandkids one day. But uh, you know, it's good. It's it's just you gotta have a vision and, and strip it down. And and it's hard love with these kids sometimes. You know, it's a lot different. You guys know, Mike, especially you've been around a long time. That uh, the kids are different now. A lot different. You can't have. Uh, you know, a Bert Templeton, a, a Mike Keenan. Let's see, there's a trade right now. <laughs> but uh, you can't have a Keenan, a Templeton uh, situation where you're yelling at kids. It's much more, it's different. And, you know, I tell kids, why well, play in the OHL when there's no shields? And are you, like, they can't believe that, let alone, can't believe you had two fights when, like, these kids don't know, right? But it's different culture. It's good. Our league's safe. Um, do I miss some of the um, uh, physical play? Yes, but you don't want your kid to get hurt. And my, you know, my son went through it. He had a concussion in America. We get it hurts, and you guys had a devastating concussion. Uh, you know, to your defenseman there. So you don't want anybody to get hurt. We got to look out for our kids and the assets. And um, you know, it's a great league. I wanted to ask about that because obviously you're known for being that hard-nosed player. And as I look over your shoulder here, is that you and Probert up there? Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, that's the best part of the picture. I'm st- <laughs> I'm st- I'm still standing. Yeah, <laughs> he snapped it at the right time. Two seconds later, it wasn't so good. You, you had to earn everything along the way, Warren. What what was it like for you playing, knowing you had to play that way? You went undrafted in the NHL, and this is the, this is what you did. Always looking over your shoulder, and every day was a new day that you had to be ready. Um, you know, as an undrafted player and a third, fourth liner, you have to bring it every day. And there's no there's no if ands, or buts about it. You would simply, if you can't do it, they get somebody else, you know. And uh, luckily I had some good coaches along the way, and I, I, you know, programmed myself to be that hard guy to play against and take everything for granted. You know, I played five years in the minors, and 
every day in that NHL and I saw the pregame meals and the flights and the per diem and the money, I'd thank, I'd count my blessings for sure. And, you know, I've told my son the same thing. He, he's in the minors in American League right now, but he's going to play. And I said, every, every day you're there, you appreciate it. You look around and appreciate it, you know, and it's a good life and met so many people. My two sons are born there. It's been good, but it's same as now as a manager, you got to put the work in. You, you know, there's no secrets in Ontario League. There's uh, good scouting. There's hard work. Um, even the last five years, it, it's ramped up. And, you know, I see us, you know, with the Kitcheners, with the Londons, is, is the best, you know, best organizations in the league. And it's good when you have kids that want to come here, NHL GMs that call and want their kids here, um, agents, and you have their reputation. And uh, it's huge. Coaching's everything, right? And we've had good coaches here, too. More so in your day, I think, when you played, the third and fourth line guys really made the life easier for the top two line guys. Uh, two guys that you played with going to the Hockey Hall of Fame this this uh, weekend, I guess. Yeah. Um, is it pretty? What were those guys like to play with, and is it cool seeing those guys get that accomplishment? Awesome. You know, I'm really happy I watch the news on Sportsnet like we all do and having coffee in the morning. And like Paul and Timo are great guys. They, I went to Anaheim after I won the Cup in '96 uh, to Anaheim, and it was basically. Everyone play even. Let these guys score a goal. Let's win two to one. Let's win three to two. And it was almost like that. Ron Wilson was the coach, and we were all dragging, all knuckle dragging, all over the place, blocking shots and scrapping. And you know, lo and behold, Timo or Paul would score a goal. Uh, you know, in the uh, in a second or third. But Paul's had a little bit exit from the game. I think he was a little bitter with the Ducks, and he had some problems there. But I'm glad to see him back, smiling and happy and. Uh, just a great guy, great hockey player, great guy for sure. Solani, greatest too. He's good. I never seen a guy eat that much in my life. You <laughs> see, yeah, it's like three steaks. We'd go on a road trip, a rookie party, or some night, two days off. He'd eat two steaks, and Korea would actually have to tell him to stop eating. Like he, <laughs> I have seen a lot of guys eat big meals. This guy ate more than anybody I've ever seen in my life. But uh, great guy. <laughs> was the the cup in 96 with Colorado did that help I, i'm looking at, again up there in the la jersey 93 final versus montreal i'm i'm going to take my chances and ask about that stick measurement but how long did it take you get over something like that it changed the complexion of a series on something like that yeah you know what i was still i was you know i, I was young and full of piss and vinegar still and you know don't worry you know we'll be back here next year we didn't make playoffs next year and I, I was too young and naive to know that, hey, the NHL is so hard, right? We didn't even make playoffs next year. But, um, yeah, the stick measurement, we were up one nothing with a minute left. They scored six on four to Jardin all three. That was tough. I think if we had 2 nothing go back, I think we'd have a pretty good crack at it. But I was fortunate to get traded to an unbelievable team that just started in Colorado, the Nordiques there. Wow, was that a what a hockey team that was. And But very fortunate uh, to get there. But... A lot of good memories along the way, but you think you're going to go back all the time. And I remember Wayne Gretzky came in, they scored to tie it up, and he was first off the ice. I was right behind him, and he whipped his stick against the wall. He never shows emotion. And then I go, you know, I was like, don't worry about it. We're going to win in overtime. First shift they win. Like, you know, first shift, Jardin scores. So he knew right there. Well, I was just too young and naive to understand that, man, that, that was our chance right there. And that's really the truth where it lies. You mentioned Gretzky. As a young guy, being on the same team as the greatest ever, what what was that like? He's great. He's awesome, and just I just what he did for my family is vacations, and you know he'd bring the shoe guy in the room, then the car guy would be there, then the suit guy would be there, and he just treated everyone good. Like he flew my dad from Windsor, he picked up his dad in Brantford on his plane, private jet, then picked my dad up for his retirement, 
you know, we check in a hotel, we never see a bill. It was crazy. He's just a great guy, and he's he's the greatest guy, not even talking about how good a hockey player he was. You know, he just wants to sit there and have a couple of beers and have some chicken wings and talk about hockey, and that's what's cool about him. That's what's really cool about him. You mentioned the name Boogie before, as, of course, the nickname for Bob Bugner. How'd you get Bundy? <laughs> well, that came a long time ago. Jim Playfair were in the minors, and the ritual was to shave your head back then. So I got my head shaved, and I was carrying a few extra pounds. So the guys nicknamed me King Kong Bundy. So, <laughs> you know, the old wrestler there. But now Bundy just stuck for short. So it's been, geez, that's, what's that, 1988 maybe? So... It's been a long time, but it's stuck, and I'm fine with it, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> We're all over the place, but I have to go back to the Bob Probert thing. I'm a huge Red Wings fan. I have no problem saying it. Yeah, and Wings great. Being from Southwestern Ontario, <laughs> you dropped the gloves with the Bob Probert. What's going through your mind? Just get a, Yeah, I did. We were, on, we we're losing, I think, 6-1, to one, and I said all my buddies were right. I said I might as well say I did it, right? But <laughs> it was a good picture. The picture doesn't serve the fight well. He, he cleaned me up. Even in his book, he says, I think I got the best of Warren here. It was pretty good. That was nicely said about him. But yeah, Red Wings was great. And best story about Probert, when you remember the rematch, you guys remember the rematch you had against Crowder? Yes. And then DJ Smith had confirmation that night, grade 8 confirmation. His dad, they missed it just to go watch the fight. Like, this is great. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Windsor. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just some of the guys from Windsor. It's just crazy stories, right? Like, DJ, nope, sorry, son. No confirmation. We're going to uh, we're gonna watch the second, the battle. We know you got to go. Uh, what, is, what did it mean to you, Warren, to be able to come back here uh, to Windsor, take over ownership of this team, build this franchise the way you have? It's great. Um, it's a dream come true. A lot of guys buy their franchises, buy franchises, but in different cities they're going to move. My wife's from here. My dad lives three miles. I live five. My daughter works at the, con- the concession stand. Like It's it's pretty good. Very fortunate. Um, you know, to get the new arena was huge too. As you know, it wasn't that fun over at the other place. But um, <laughs> we started from scrap. We we got handed nothing from the old owner Riolo, and uh, I actually gave you guys a. Remember, I gave you American defenseman before I even bought the team. After we signed the papers, and Steve Biankowski came in and goes, "By the way, you owe me that player," and we on. <laughs> He doesn't forget. Who was it? Bertuzzo. Bertuzzo. That's right. So, yeah. That first year was really tough. We only had 18 wins. and But uh, we got tougher than, you know, Hall Ellis and then, uh, you know, Henrik. And it was good. It went good after that. But we started from scratch. And, yeah, it's proud to own your own franchise. And it's, it's tough It's tough business now, you know, on and off the ice. It's uh, it's tough business. It's big business. And you got to be you got to do your work for sure. And lastly, just real quick, as we came in here, we had the Pearl Jam going. I look at the wall and I see that's a picture signed. Eddie Vedder? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's good. I, so my friend Brian Noon I played with and it knows Chelios really well, and Chelios is good friends with him. So we've hung out a couple times, and uh, it's pretty good. I love their shows. <laughs> as you, there's tickets all over. I love them, and I always have a plan. It's my good luck thing before the game to calm me down. So You calm good. down? Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. Actually, you know what? If you rewind, re- rewind it five years ago, I was... I was pretty high strung, but now <laughs> turned fifty, so I'm a little better. Three and nine till, will do till, that for uh, you. Yeah, till, till, yeah till we get a five on three against Kitchen and the master and scores. Right, Warren. Thanks for the time. Cheers, really guys. appreciate it's it. Awesome. Cheers. Always a pleasure. Warren Reichel had a had a real even flow to him, didn't he? During that one, do you have to be like that? Like, <laughs> Do you have to be like that? Yeah, I do. Okay. That was a good one. It's not bad. That was a good one. You've even, had worse. Even Flo Pearl Jam. Uh, <laughs> Warren Reichel was awesome to talk to, and I love the fact that he just flat out admitted that he got tuned by Bob Probert. Well, I mean, 
what else are you going to say? Because Bob Pr- Probert tuned a whole lot of people. Yeah, if uh, anyone is listening is looking for a good read over the weekend, grab the Bob Probert book. It's fantastic. My favorite part of that chat with Warren is the one time, and I wonder if any of the listeners noticed it along the way, <laughs> where he was about, you could, you, the F-bomb was almost out, yeah. and he pulled it back in. And he continued. Which, I mean, this is a podcast. I think we might get to that point. I think you're allowed, but we also have to be careful because a lot of children listen to this. So we might have to throw it off the top that, hey, there's some language in this one because Warren Reichel decided to drop an F-bomb. Speaking of this family-friendly podcast, it's still looking for its first family-friendly sponsor. At Farwell underscore OHL or Mike at 570news.com. We'll hook you up. Or at underscore Chris Pope. Yeah. So you find us on Twitter? I'll just send you to Mike's email anyway. So what else is new? Yeah, good point. Yeah, he'll make a Pearl Jam reference and then send you my email. And make sure to subscribe, of course, on iTunes uh, and all your podcast apps and everywhere you can find podcasts. Of course, 570news.com as well. I'm Farwell. I'm Pope. And that is the Farwell and Pope podcast. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.